Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Just having business data isn't enough. But ZoomInfo leverages that data to unlock useful insights, like who to reach and how to reach them, so you can grow your business. Unlock insights at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. Oi, Sylvester Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for being here, everybody. There I am. So much to talk about. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 284 and the big main event. Champion versus champion. Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. And we're going to build up to UFC 284. We're going to build up to that main event. But let's get into this one. So much to discuss. Let's introduce the combatants first. You know him. He's Mr. No Gray Area, the co-host of No Bets Bard. He's the exhibition king. And the Woody Page of MMAfighting.com. It's a great website, is it not, Jed Mishu? How are you? It is a great website. I am, I was going to say excited to be here, but I'm not, because uh, I'm going to catch it in the teeth today, because I have opinions that most people don't share about this upcoming fight card, and it's been a rough week already, so can only imagine things are going to get worse from here on out. Oh, man, I am very, very excited, and I'm also very excited because back on the show, and he's back on Twitter and YouTube with the correct accounts this time after just some really awful stuff going on for him, but he came through on the other side like he always does. He's one of my favorites, one of the hardest working people in this industry. Let us welcome back. The great James Lynch. Hello, sir. What's going on, my man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. And yes, it's the hacked free James Lynch edition of Between the Links here today. Very happy about that. <laughs> it just James, who hacked looks- you? <laughs> yeah, do we have some that? dude in Europe? Uh, it's uh, we could do a whole show in it. I'm sure it was. Uh, Where it was in awful, Europe? Guys. I need to know the country. We need to know. I don't know. Who the I, we is. just know somewhere in Europe. Somewhere in Europe, some guy was trying to hack me and turn my YouTube channel into a Tesla live stream, like the same thing that happened to the UFC. Wow. Well, I have to say, just seeing wow. the lower third of at Lynch on sports just makes my heart. That sing. on really makes a difference, doesn't it? The on <laughs> as opposed to just the, the just the regular Lynch sports sounds so much better, doesn't it? So. <laughs> it does. It's got a get a different flow to it. But let's get into this thing. And we're going to start this past weekend and then we're going to make our way up to this Saturday because five days ago we had Bellator making their CBS debut with Bellator 290. Fedor's final fight didn't go his way. Ryan Bader gets it done. Still the heavyweight champion. Johnny Eblen, fantastic performance to retain his middleweight title. Brennan Ward get a nice big boost. And then the UFC was back at the apex with UFC Vegas 68 at a much later start time than we're accustomed to. Big win for Sergey Spivak in the main event against Derek Lewis. We saw some new contracts awarded from the road to UFC. Some great showings throughout from some of the athletes on the card, but James, I want to start with you. When we look back on this doubleheader, what was your biggest takeaway from these two cards? What stood out the most to you? 
I think it's just the overall theme of what are we doing here? Uh, I hate to be negative. You know, I'm Canadian. I got the Canadian shirt on today. I always like to be a little bit more positive, but um, there was no need to do that main event with Fedor and Ryan Bader. We all knew this was going to happen, that Bader was going to go out there and get an early finish. Very predictable. You would have liked to seen Fedor, you know, hanging up a little bit earlier here. It, it's unfortunate because a lot of the newer fans that watch Fedor just know him as the guy that's old and got knocked out, but no one really remembers or they should do their research and should remember uh, the run that he had in Pride, which is one of the most incredible runs in MMA history, uh, the run that he had taking out some of the top heavyweights in the world at the time, because people forget it wasn't the UFC who had the best heavyweights, it was, it was Pride FC. So um, that's the unfortunate part. And then on the UFC side of things, I'll tie this together. Why do they keep putting Derek Lewis in the main event? Uh, again, similar situation here. Uh, Derek Lewis getting finished early. Uh, the fight with Spivak before was canceled. They had to reschedule it. Um, I do not want to see Derek Lewis in the main event anymore. I like Derek. I think he's a great personality. I think he's entertaining, but I don't need to see this anymore. So uh, that's sort of the overall theme is what are we doing here with these older fighters, putting them in main events when we know the outcome even before it happens? Jed, what say you? What I mean, we've had some time to digest this. We got your immediate thoughts on the Bellator card right after it was over. But five days later, biggest takeaway from this past weekend. I have warmed up and I was OK with the Bellator card. And on our post show, I talked about it. I think I gave it a B minus. I'm willing to give it a B. I, I've, I have uh, been swayed by an argument from uh, the great Shaheen Al-Shadi. In that, especially when the the numbers came out, Bellator averaged a million views, which it's not the number that I, I think Coker was targeting or said that he'd be over the moon with or whatever it was, which I think was like one and a half. But it it did its job. A million views is entirely palatable and probably gets them another bite at the CBS Apple, which I think is largely what they were going for on this card. Um, you know, they they created a card that had some very high upside and seemingly minimal downside. And we got the sort of the worst iteration of the card we could have. And it was totally acceptable. You know, James is absolutely right. We all knew what was going to happen in that main event, but there was at least enough for us to try and lie to ourselves that Fedor had a chance there. And realistically, it, it, it was what Bella Bellator could do because Fedor wanted that fight and they couldn't get the Anderson Silva fight done. And there isn't a ton of other fights that really make sense. I, I again would have preferred to see an Anderson Silva or I always thought Vanderlei Silva would have been a phenomenal one, but I get what happened and it's fine. It's entirely acceptable. It is unfortunate that the legacy of Fedor for a lot of new fans is not what it should be, but that's just how time works. <laughs> so it's okay. And in the UFC side, uh, I'm totally with James on the why, why is Derek Lewis domain of inning stuff? But we know the answer. They have to have like 60 main events a year because they, they run 42 main events a year, but 12 of those are in pay-per-views and pay-per-views generally need to have two main event level of fights. So we're looking at more fights than they can realistically produce. And so sometimes they go to the heavyweights and people like Derek Lewis, and then that we get what happens. So uh, this is all uh, the UFC was entirely whatever the Bellator. I think that was a good start to 2023, not a great one, uh, but you know, they've done much worse and they've got worse coming up down the pipeline. <laughs> certainly. So it was fine. We certainly talked about it, which is more than is usual for Bellator. Yeah, I was. Uh, you brought something up because 
I mean, clearly Bellator, the better night overall, more compelling storylines than the aftermath. You know, we talked a lot about him on the post-fight show and throughout the week, but, you know, Jed, you talk about Bellator 290, you've warmed up on it a little bit, gave it a B, and you kind of explained it like nothing really went wrong for them as far as execution. You know, like you said, the ratings at over a million, which I think is really good for them. Um, but how would you like grade the start of the year for them following this card? Like they have, they had some good momentum coming out of 2022. I thought Bellator versus Ryzen was, was a very cool concept. They've had some big re-signings, AJ McKee, Vadim Nemkov, lightweight Grand Prix coming up. There's like you said, there's some cards and headliners that aren't spectacular, but there are cards in storylines on paper throughout this year that are built right now that, that are pretty good, but how would you sort of gauge their momentum in the start to the year after this card this past Saturday? It, it, they're Bellator, man. Like it's – I feel like I rag on them more than most, but it's maybe just that I have to talk about them more than most and they're pretty pick onable. Uh, look, they're doing well. Like this was – like I said, I think this was a fine start to the year for them. I love the Ryzen event. I always think that that's really phenomenal. It's one of the best things they do as a promotion. The idea of doing a lightweight Grand Prix presser event, you know, the UFC used to do stuff like that where they'd get all the fighters, the, the go big pressers, and they, they've kind of moved away from that. Bellator doing it for this thing, I think it makes sense. But the the main, the big problem for Bellator is always execution. And it is, they have good ideas generally, or at least ideas that make sense, and they just can't quite get there and i've likened it repeatedly and i still think it's the best analogy they are an organization that kicks field goals instead of touchdowns and field goals are worth points but they're not they don't get you really jazzed up and that, that's that's what this is the lightweight grand prix is awesome like it is a phenomenal idea we still have to wait for that to really get going which is tougher uh, it's, it's 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 not like that probably should have been on this cbs card i thought at least the opening of it and the nature of grand prix in general it's probably the interest will probably taper down as we move forward through it because instead of it being like here are eight sick fights or whatever then it's just the one and it's a something that happened a year later see that with the bantamweight we saw it with the light heavyweight grand prix it's sort of how it works for them and then they've done good things they've re-signed important players they are going to be a player in the francis and ganu sweepstakes all of this matters i it doesn't feel like they're hitting the home run that they need but they keep getting the ball in play. They keep getting dudes on bases. They're going to continue to score runs, but I don't know if they're ever going to break through in a really meaningful way unless they take some bigger swings and connect on some of those. James, where are you at? I mean, Jed just hit a bunch of fun sports analogies, and I'm sure you could <laughs> maybe throw a couple more in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if we're using like a hockey analogy, you know, maybe they're scoring a goal, but of uh, course the Canadian goes to hockey. <laughs> yeah, he goes right to, to hockey. I have to. Yeah, I have to. I have to. No, it makes sense. But no, I agree with what he's saying that like, I think, unfortunately, like, I don't know who's going to overtake the UFC or get the attention of the UFC. I think it's very difficult because they do have the best fighters. I, I know that's a debate that goes on and on. But, um, you know, getting a Naganu would be a really big step in the right direction if they were able to do that, because we haven't really seen them. I mean, there's a few fighters they've grabbed that are still, you know, UFC worthy and very, very talented, but no one of the name recognition of a Naganu, right? Like uh, Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson, nothing against them. They're great fighters. But, uh, you know, getting the former UFC heavyweight champion would be would be amazing. 
thing. Um, but, but I think it's just a very tough task to do. The UFC is on ESPN. The UFC is the premier brand. There's still people out there who say, I train UFC because the brand is so strong right now. So I think it's a very tough task to do. I like them doing the tournaments because that's something the UFC won't do and people get excited about it. I don't mind the mix of adding in some of these older guys, like a, not necessarily a Fedor, but like if they were to bring back, you know, some other names and, you know, just add it to a, an event to get uh, some, some, you know, some, some more eyeballs on. I also wonder, do they look at maybe bringing in some of these, you know, the YouTube audience, like PFL is going with Jake Paul. I know that was a very big signing for them, but maybe that's an audience they need to grab onto as well. I don't know who that would be or who they would sign, but um, I just think that they have such a tough challenge ahead. And I, I think what Jed said is absolutely spot on. Like, again, they've got, they've got the steak. They don't have the sizzle. There's, there's a food analogy to end things. So. Oh man, we're just, we're just hitting everything. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good start for Bellator. I think there's more intrigue in Bellator than there has been in a while. So let's see if they can execute, but to cap this off with the UFC card and, and James, I'll go back to you because the biggest story coming out of it, and you mentioned it, it wasn't even Sergey Spivak's win. Like we're mm -hmm. not talking about the fact that Sergey Spivak won. We're talking about that Derek Lewis lost gets finished again. And this fight was not competitive for a millisecond. And Dana White said after the event, He's not going anywhere despite the skid he's on. I know taking him out of the main event spot is, is what you want, is what you feel is necessary. But like, what do we do with this guy now? Because people still love the man, but this has been just a really tough run for him. What do we do with Derek Lewis now? You have to give him an up and comer. I think that's the only way you monetize the value of Derek Lewis going forward. I, I don't even know of like a fun veteran fight that you could put together that people would be happier that Derek Lewis could win at this point. Like, I just think that, you know, his biggest weapon is his knockout power. And if he can't even get that off and connect, um, you know, it's not going to be a competitive fight. It's going to be like anyone in that top five, even, you know, some, there's some like even like a Tom Aswinall, I think, would go out there and finish Lewis very quickly. And I like Derek. Again, it's not anything about him personally. It's just that father time catches up with everyone. And I think if the UFC wants to give him another fight, then give him someone that they can build their name off of. Again, I think Aspinall would, you know, beat him. So not him, but someone that's maybe coming up that you want to build off of and, and move ahead. But I think that's the only play right now. Cause I can't even think of like a fun, like veteran fight. Maybe there's someone that's not coming to mind right now, but I think that's what you have to do. And the UFC has traditionally done this a lot of times where, you know, you have, uh, you know, a fighter on their way out, so to speak, and they're building someone else up. It's like kind of how they did uh, Chandler and, and Tony Ferguson to a certain degree where it's, you know, building more Chandler up a little bit more. I know Chandler's not young, but same sort of idea that Chandler beats a Ferguson and hey, he beat a former interim champ, so to speak. So that, that's kind of how I look at things. Jed, what do we do from a matchmaking perspective? Like, I mean, you could check out a name if you want, but do we do put over fights where he just builds up newer guy? Like, do we throw him in there with freaking Jelton Almeida at this point to try to get him over? Do we give him a vet? Do we just focus more on the stylistic matchup? Like, do not chuck him in there with anybody who's going to try to take this man down. Someone like a Tai Tuivasa, who he just fought, obviously. But someone like that is just going to go in there and throw hammers with this guy. Like, how do we do this moving forward, especially with Dana White's and the UFC is still holding this man in such high regard? So here's the issue with there. I mean, there are several issues. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the problem uh, with booking Derek Lewis is I I don't. There's not a lot of meat left on the bone when it comes to giving him an up and comer. Like Jelton Almeida would be a minus eight hundred favorite against him. No one would care. Like we'll watch it because we'll watch Jelton Almeida fight. But that's not doing anything for anyone at this point. And I know the Spivak loss is the Spivak, like it's the most recent one and he ragdolled him, but that hasn't been the problem 
um, in this particular bad skid, he's been getting lamped like on the feet or like tied to Ivasa and Sergey Pavlovich just blew his doors off. Cyril Gan just outclassed him and then blew his doors off. There's not, I, I don't, there is not meat here to, to make a meal out of with him. Like you, it, you maybe have one more prospect fight where you're getting someone over with by beating him, but I don't even think that that's really true. And so I think you're left in a really interesting place. I think there are like three names that I could come up with, right? The first one is a fight that has been talked about for a while, and I think it's probably the most likely one and one that maybe it's not most likely because this man is ranked as well, but just do a Jairzinho Rosenstrike. There's two dudes who are going to chuck them. You know, they both have knocked out Chris Dawkins. Is their only like relevant win in recent times? And, you know, if, if... if he can win this, if Derek Lewis can win that fight, then he's still, then he's got a W under the belt. He's still hanging around. Then maybe you can feed him to Alexander Romanov or something like that. Uh, the other ones, like you could run back Tybura. You know, they fought like six years ago or something. Tybura's on a good little win streak. There's that. And then if we want to get sad, just real <laughs> sad, Andre Arlovsky is still still fighting, still out there scrapping away uh, on like, I know he lost to, to Marcos Rogerio de Lima, but on a pretty decent win streak before that, um, at least in quantity, if not quality. And that's at least kind of the, here are some two names, you know, and they can fight. And like, I would favor Derek Lewis to win that fight, but he's looked so super shot that it wouldn't shock me if Andre Olofsky beat this iteration of Derek Lewis. So I, I just don't think you can give him to Jailton Almeida, somebody like that, right now. But also, if you give him to anybody, it's it's looking tough for the man. Yeah, Jairzinho was one that popped up. Someone on to the next one suggested Marcos Rogerio de Lima, which I actually think was a pretty interesting idea stylistically. But looks like Rogerio de Lima is booked now anyway, so that doesn't really matter. But yeah, tough times for for the Black Beast. We'll see if he can put it together. I mean, he's trying. He, he's he's out there losing weight and getting in great shape. So he's out there trying. But let us move on. The point for round number one goes to... I mean, James didn't even have to answer an MMA question, but that shirt just shirt. gets to the point all, all, right hey, off the bat. It's one and This nothing. is how you know I've been doing this too long. I knew before we started <laughs> who was winning the first round. I was like, I, I absolutely guarantee you James is getting this first point with that shirt. <laughs> You know, being, you know, moving down to South Carolina from the Berkshires, I missed the the foliage of the fall. And uh, and James just reminded me of all that, you know, times from the past that we remember. So, hi, we're visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees. We don't have them. Annual contracts. Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line. Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. 25 a month. Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Before Zoom info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, Zoom info aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go to market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. 
Zoom Info, how business goes to market. The other big news from this past Saturday, let's get to this because I'm sure Jed is so excited to talk about this. And I actually thought the timing of this announcement was brilliant from a promotional standpoint because the UFC is not dumb. They are well aware that Bellator was grabbing all the headlines, that people were not thrilled with the start time of the UFC card, that the Bellator card was much better on paper. They knew that. So Dana White, this past Saturday around 10 a.m. Eastern time, gets on the social media channels and announces a few different things. One, UFC 287, April 8th, it's in Miami. Two, Sean O'Malley signed a new eight-fight deal. And then the big one, Conor McGregor is back. He and Michael Chandler will coach the Ultimate Fighter, and then they will fight sometime this year. So, Jed, with the fight and tough and Conor back, Chandler is the opposition. How would you grade this news and everything else involved with it? Was this the fight to make? Are these the right coaches, etc.? I think it's all good. I, I mean, it is all good. I think this might be ideal. I, I I think I am in the minority here. I thought the fight to make was Connor versus Tony. I still think that that fight made more sense because people would be like, well, Tony's lost a whole bunch in a row. Go look at Connor's record. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not very good recently either. Actually a very fitting matchup if you're talking about where they're at on loss and win streaks, et cetera. Uh, and that feels like a really, really winnable fight for Connor at this point, if he has any juice left at all. Uh, and because Tony is still ranked in the UFC rankings and even on our own fantastic website, some people erroneously still have Tony ranked as a <laughs> top 15 lightweight. Uh, that's a win that like is relevant, even if it doesn't actually feel like it. That felt like the needle to thread. But it always seemed like here was the energy because given Michael Chandler a whole ton of shit on this show, I'd stand by almost every bit of it. We'll not back down off that corner. He, as we say often, Mike, he did the thing. He was very focused. He made an effort. He and he has now achieved the thing he wanted. And you have to give him credit for calling a shot and speaking it into existence. And so – this is the fight that I think has the most inertia, certainly, for any Conor comeback fight. Uh, it's probably going to do the most business, though you could convince me that a Nate Diaz trilogy fight, if they re-sign Nate, would do it. And it's, it, it's, it is fascinating in a way that I kind of wish it wasn't. Because if Conor does win this, he's going to get a lightweight title shot, and then I'm going to hate everything. And he can win this fight. Like Michael Chandler's probably going to be a favorite when the fight gets close. I know they opened at pick em odds. Connor can definitely win this fight, uh, particularly depending how Chandler fights. And so if he does, that's a top five, top 10 win. I don't know exactly where he is in various rankings. And it's certainly going to draw eyeballs. People are going to tune into tough for the first time in years. I won't because I value my time. And so I will not be tuning into tough. But lots of other people will, and if that's what you know, if that is what you are into, you are going to get more more of your money's worth than you have in any of the recent seasons. So I think this is this is a touchdown. If Bellator's kicking field goals, this is a touchdown with the two point conversion. Back to the sports analogies, James. What did you think of the announcement? The names. Is this the right way to go? Great move by the UFC. Uh, first off, doing it on the day they did, like you mentioned, taking some shine away from Bellator. But that's the thing that I think people need to look at here is the coaches for the ultimate fighter. That's what's been lacking the last couple of years. They 
did a big swing and a miss uh, using a baseball analogy there with not doing Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal last year. I don't know why that didn't happen. That was, that was the, the coaches to make. You need uh, to have some sort of heated rivalry and you're going to get that here. And you've got two fighters in McGregor and in Chandler who can definitely cut a promo. They can talk very well that, you know, Jed's not watching it. I haven't watched the ultimate fighter live in forever. I'll probably watch the season because I'm just interested to see Connor and Chandler go back and forth as much as it's about the fighters. The coaches really do make the difference. And I think we've been lacking uh, entertaining coaches for quite some time. I know Volkanovski and Ortega had their thing, but it's not the same. You get two of the biggest personalities there. The other thing you have to look at here is how much more are you going to get out of Michael Chandler, right? Like, it's not like he's a young fighter. Uh, They are trying to maximize whatever they can. There's, you know, people feel a certain type of way about Chandler, whether they really don't like him or maybe they do like him. There's no sort of in between with Michael Chandler. So I feel like the coaching is going to bring people back in. You're also hearing some, uh, some rumblings about maybe some UFC veterans being on the show with some prospects. I think that's a great idea too. I think these are all positive things for the show to get people kind of back in. Cause let's face it, people prefer contender series over the ultimate fighter. It's just, it's the way it is. It's an easier format. There's four fights. There's, you know, the, the idea of, you know, does he get the contract? Does he not? Um, there's all that. I think the, the ultimate fighter was good when it first started because there was no contender series or regional cards that are on UFC fight pass. Now you have this as well. So there's that side of it. And there's the fight itself, which I agree with Jed. I think Tony Ferguson was the fight in the sense that like Connor could lose and that's not good for business. I know, you know, there's certain fighters like Chael Sonnen and others who can lose and still get big fights because they are who they are. But I really feel like if Connor ever wants to taste a title shot again, he's got to start winning some fights and coming off this layoff, coming off the lack of activity he's had over the last couple of years. Um, Chandler can definitely win this fight. And, you know, people talk about Connor. Like I see people talking about Connor McGregor knocking out Chandler. I mean, Chandler's taking some good shots. You, you look at Justin Gaethje, uh, someone who hits very hard. He was able to survive that fight. Uh, I just think that um, the, the the fight itself will be very intriguing, very interesting, but it's a fight that also doesn't favor Connor very well. Cause like you mentioned, if Chandler doesn't want to be entertaining, he's got that wrestling. How many wrestlers has Connor fought over the last couple of fights? Not too many. There's a reason for that. So um, I know the odds are at a pick them right now, but right now I would pick Michael Chandler because of the activity level, because I think he has more ways to win this fight. And I also, you know, is this going to be at 55? Connor's looking pretty big right now. Is he going to be able to make the weight? So there's a lot of question marks here, but um, I think from the ultimate fighter perspective, they absolutely nailed this. I think from the fight perspective, Tony would have been, I, I think, a little bit more of a sure thing there. And I like Tony a lot. I just think that his last performance against Nate Diaz has really showed a decline there. I think Michael Chandler has a better shot of, of winning this fight. So that's what I think. James, I love tough when it came out. I loved it. It got me much more into the sport a thousand percent. But my issue with the show, and I'm starting to... I'm starting to get vibes on the contender series of this as well. It has not really evolved at all since the beginning. And, you know, you can bring in all the personalities you want to be a part of it. Just the formula has not changed at all. Although, like you said, there are reports coming out. We've had talks with people about it as well. Nothing is official, but lightweights, bantamweights, UFC veterans, newcomers, maybe doing the vets, looking for the second or third chance or whatever against the newcomers. So I think it's great. If they're actually going to do that, it's a very interesting wrinkle to this process. So outside of the actual coaches, James, if this is if this is the lane they take and they do second, third chance UFC fighters kind of on one team and then like the, the newcomers trying to get their shine on the other team, does the concept wet your whistle? Is this enough of an evolution for you to be invested in it outside of just the Connor and, and Michael Chandler factors? 
It is. Um, I think they should have been doing this a while ago. Bring, I know they've done, I think, two comeback seasons, uh, something along those lines. But I, I think it makes sense because here's the thing. We already know who these fighters are for the most part. I mean, we don't know the roster yet, but you would assume they're going to get some names that we're familiar with. And I think there's, you know, when a fighter leaves the UFC, people still know who that fighter is. I think part of the problem with the Ultimate Fighter, because you have Contender Series now, you're learning about all these new fighters. So it's hard to keep track of who's who, the stories, all that. Uh, but when there's a fighter that's been released, like we just, I, I don't know if it's official yet, but the said, Yuka uh, Kakrikmanov, who you know apparently was released yesterday or said something along those lines. Like someone like him, if he was on the show, I think people would be interested because it's like, why did he get cut? Now we're kind of rooting for him to get back. Um, I, I've never understood why the UFC doesn't utilize that more, just because, like I said, they already have an audience from being on the UFC platform. You know, a name that immediately came to mind when I heard about this, and I don't know if the weight class is going to work, but like a Devonte Smith, Mike, you and I have interviewed him a handful of times. He's an exceptional talent. I think he's had a rough run in the UFC, but a good personality, an entertaining fighter. He would be perfect for someone like the ultimate fighter in my opinion and someone that you would want to root to see get back in there because he's had a tough run can he change things around can he go and get a contract um and then going even further i don't think he'd ever do it but you imagine like a kevin lee on the ultimate fighter like that would be incredible i I wouldn't do it but that's what i'm saying there's a lot of possibilities if you do open the door to having former ufc fighters on the show Jed, what do you think? Is, is is this concept intriguing to you? Because we've talked about it on on many of these shows with the Contender Series. Like it's starting to kind of, the, the well is starting to dry a little bit because we feel like at this point, you know, maybe the first episode, Dana will be a little critical and only give one contract. But then the rest of the season, it's like five, four, five. Yeah, whoever wins. Records, yeah, whoever wins ends up getting contracts. And we always thought, you know, if there's two fighters who are on, two UFC fighters who are kind of on the schneid right now, We'll just throw them in like to a contender series main event and the winner gets to stay and sign a new contract and the loser's cut. Like that's interesting and compelling in different ways. But at least if this is the road they're taking, at least the direction of the show, it's a little different than we've seen the past 31 seasons where it's all the same with the basketball jerseys and the coaches challenges and all the craziness. But will this concept get you to watch at all? Like as no. a, an episode two, nothing at all? No, uh, there are a couple of fundamental problems with tough. Uh, the biggest one being, uh, you're to your point, you know, you used to love tough. Tough was great. Do you know the biggest difference between when tough was good and now it, the fighters were good and it, and it, it truly is that simple. The first season of tough, everybody on there were really good prospects and the first 10 seasons you are mostly getting good developmental prospects and as a result that's why we saw half of those cast members usually would make the ufc and ended up having long-term careers there the well only runs so deep and then frankly tough no longer became a the best way to get into the ufc if you are a fighter of means and talent there you should never go on the ultimate fighter like that that's just an awful awful idea because it's not it does that doesn't build a star out of you the ultimate fighter if anything certainly since that that has happened largely is boosting the coaches profiles more than the competitors of the show uh and so instead you're doing a highly variable tournament because the circumstances are just much different than you fighting with your camp and your team and your training and development you're fighting several times in short span and anything could freaking happen the contender series i would personally say is not something if i was you know managing a fighter of means and talent should do because you're locked into a 10 and 10 deal and that's dumb as shit 
But that's at least a much more clear path of, all right, you win this fight, you're going to get a contract, then you're in the UFC. And so they, they don't have the, the horses. They do not have the bodies to make a compelling thing, even bringing back some UFC veterans. like I, That is just not going to get me interested. The, the other fundamental problem that ties in here with this is – who is this for? Like what, what does, what purpose does tough serve outside of some nostalgic? This was a very important part of our history. So we keep doing it. It's, it's not the best pipeline for talent in the sport and they haven't even reconfigured it to primarily showcase the coaches, which is really what it should be. And if you certainly me, I guess I don't want to speak for other people. If I think back on the recent seasons of tough that I am even aware happened, it is because of the coaches it is because Brian Ortega and Volkanovsky had a semi-fabricated, semi-real beef or whatever. It's not because I can't tell you who won the last seven toughs. Genuinely no clue who won. I remember Usman won the the live season. That's all. Or no, that, that wasn't even the live season. That was the uh, Black Sillians versus ATT season or whatever. That's all I got. So, no, the only way I will... I will come back to tough. The only thing that's going to draw me in to watch this, and they've done it a couple of times, is when when they're doing a new weight division. When they are opening up, you know, straw weight. I tuned in for season 20. I'll do that if they open up an atom weight division. But otherwise, it's just not for me, and I don't – I genuinely don't see the appeal for anybody. But, you know, different strokes, different folks, I suppose. And the beauty of having these two guys on is that social media – you get all the highlights right there, so you don't even have to watch it. I'll probably watch an episode or two, just depending on who the names are. But the beauty of the UFC social media team is they'll just show you everything. They'll show you all the big highlight, pivotal moments from each episode, and uh, and, and they'll go from there. And who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe if the season goes well, you, maybe they'll get some Saturday play on ABC. How about that? You know, you know what else, Mike? Um, There's a great website out there. It's called MMAfighting.com. And there's a great guy at that website, Alexander K. Lee. He does a Ultimate Fighter recap after every episode because he is a stalwart watcher. Good for him. You can just watch – you just read that and then you you can know what happened and not have to watch uh, not even regional level talent compete (laughs) on the card. So although this year maybe if they're bringing back veterans, we at least have regional talent, you know, fighters going on there. Yes. Um James, what what is at stake in this fight? When these two actually fight, what is at stake? I know Volk's already talked about it and other people have talked about it. if Connor wins, may just slide right into a title fight and that would not surprise me in any way. But are these guys fighting for a title shot right now? Are they fighting for like more? Is this a legacy fight? Like wh- wh- when you think of these two guys fighting, what do you think of? Winner gets a title shot, and that includes Chandler. Honestly, like that's Conor McGregor is the exception to the any other rule that applies in MMA. Let's not forget that he beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone at welterweight, and that was enough for him to get like a number one contender or whatever that fight was with Poirier. Like it's just to me, it's it's Conor McGregor. Like you beat Conor McGregor. Look at Nate Diaz. His career was extended so much longer because of that one win over Conor McGregor back at UFC 196. Like that's the rules. If you if you fight Conor McGregor, 
you've got that attached to your name for the rest of your life. Um, and, and conversely for McGregor, they can say, Hey, well, he beat a former Bellator champ and a former UFC title challenger, you know, like it's there, you know, that's what they're going to do right now. Um, they, I think that's also why they haven't been so committal to, you know, Benil Darius or Oliveira, any of these other names. I think they're going to, they're going to use this and it's going to annoy a sector of the fans. And there's going to be the other sector of the fans that don't care about the rankings. And you, you know, that the winner of this fight is going to be in title contention or something along those lines, uh, because that's just the way it is with Conor McGregor. Jed, you're getting a lot of Michael Chandler this year. Plus, you get the massive fight with Conor sometime before the end of the year. If Chandler beats Conor, is he getting a title shot? And I'm curious, as the president of the Michael Chandler fan club, how excited <laughs> are you that you are getting a very, very Chandler-heavy 2023? I don't think he's getting a title shot if he wins. Um, I don't think... I think Connor's only getting a title shot if he wins, if Volkanovsky wins this weekend. Uh, is that I would bet my life savings on that outcome if 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 therefore. Uh if Chandler wins, he's still his if Chandler wins, his UFC wins will be Connor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, and Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is by far the best of those wins. And I don't, your mileage is going to vary on how good of a win that is. He has looked good at points in his losses. That's absolutely true, but he lost them all the same. I just don't think he gets sold as a, as a title challenger to Islam Makachev. Realistically, I just don't know. Maybe Volkanovsky would, would take it, but I'm not even sure that that's the case. Cause we'll talk about the Volkanovsky thing coming up. I have a pretty clear thought on how how things play out should Volkanovsky win and so I just don't think Chandler's gonna get a title shot with the win here but Connor is like 50 50 maybe 75 25 to get a title shot if he wins a tremendous segue and that's where we're going we're going right to UFC 284 we're going right to the big fight so the point for round two goes to Jed Michael Chandler rules Mashu. It is one to one. We'll have to get GC to. to it's really Michael tough. Chandler I don't teacher. want either man to win that fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough oh, place man. to be in. <laughs> well, I, look, UFC 284 is right around the corner. We'll see where the tough coaches go potentially against the winner of this fight but the main event we all know what it is it's the lightweight champion islam makachev defending his title for the first time against the featherweight champion alexander volkanovsky we'll talk about the fight in a moment but i, I want to bring this thing up in, in particular because i've been asked about this almost every single episode of pack of the morning the last i don't know week and a half two weeks uh so i'd love to get your perspectives on this so james you probably seen this being on Twitter. It seems a, a lot of fans, they are pointing out that they have noticed a sort of lack of promotion for this fight in particular with everything that goes into it, with the legacies at stake, everything else here. Do you agree with the sentiment that it's not being promoted enough? I do. I do. And I think that has everything to do with power slap. I see more power slap stuff. I think if you go look at the videos, the comments, all this stuff, like I think just the timing of this is not good for UFC 284. It does seem a little bit less promoted than normal. Um, but but saying that, I mean, you look at some of the fighters on the card, you know, the main co-main event. I don't see a ton of media there. I know Volkanovsky has been doing some stuff, uh, you know, a little bit more. Uh, he's done some stuff with Submission Radio. He's done some stuff with, uh, you know, Israel Adesanya's channel, which is good. But um, I just think in general, there hasn't been a ton of media 
uh, in terms of this fight as well. And that's, you know, that's on the fighters, the management, all that as well. But I think the UFC, yeah, they could have done a better job for sure. I mean, this is one of the greatest fights of all time, if not the greatest lightweight fight. I mean, you, you could you could make an argument for that. So I'm of the camp that this could have been promoted a little bit more. But I also think you don't have... You know, if you look at the main and co-main event, you don't have a name there. I know Islam is very popular, but you don't have sort of a superstar in that in that mix. So it's also hard to do that as well. There's very few John Joneses, Conor McGregor's that are in the on the roster right now. So there's also not a ton of incentive to try and build that up either. But I will agree with the fact that I think Power Slap has been a lot more promoted on my timeline as of late than UFC 284. Yeah, and, th- and there's probably a reason for that, but uh, I won't get into it because I don't really know for sure. But, Jay, what do you think about this? And how different is the build to this one compared to most of these cards outside of the stupid power slap thing getting a lot of push? It's not different at all. That's the problem. I I have had this argument a couple of times in the past few days, and it really boils down to one thing. This is not an under-promoted card objectively speaking, insofar as the UFC is just treating this as any other fight card. And so we, the certainly the the deeper the more deeply ingrained fan base, the people who's this, this is our jobs and this is the thing that we focus all our time and energy on, feel feel that it has been cheapened, feel that we have lost something because they are not making a grand spectacle of this fight, a fight that they are calling the number one versus number two pound for pound fighters in the world that we at MMAfighting.com, that is the number one and number two pound for pound fighters in our rankings. That is objectively one of the most highly skilled best fights that can be made in the world today and stacks up historically with many of the other champ champ fights. We want and expect the treatment that the UFC has given to other events of this quality. And they just aren't. And that's that's it. It is not being – they are not promoting this less than they promoted UFC 283. They are just treating it the same and that feels wrong because UFC 283 and UFC 282 were fake light heavyweight title fights. And this is a fight for the status of the best fighter in the whole goddamn world. And it's sharing time with Power Slap. The only promotional heft or push it got – was is fight week when they started doing some stuff and there's the embedded and all of that is fine and good that's that is their normal fight week rigmarole and it works it is effective i'm sure if you looked at the ufc's numbers on youtube for embedded and stuff it's probably doing very well because that is they they know how to do that the complaint from my end and and that i think that the people who are making this are sharing is they could and should have done more be that promoting it further out, showing some creativity, whatever it is to do. But I'm going to say this because I I did not respond to it because I'm trying to show growth as I become an old man and not pick fights and dunk on people all the time on the internet. Uh, Brendan Fitzgerald had a really dumb tweet about like, ah, can you guys believe it? They're not promoting the Super Bowl until the actual week of the Super Bowl, which is both objectively like wrong uh, and in no way the same thing at all. And that's the and and that's sort of the point. We didn't see shit about 284 until this week. I if I watch 284 this weekend, you know what I am guaranteed to have? There will be a commercial for the Masters in friggin' April. Like their promotion is showing interest and in caring about your product and repetition. Like just having people know because it triggers in their mind, oh, 
I keep seeing this thing coming up, and it's just not what happened here. And so again, they aren't under promoting it, but it is not. It did not get what it deserved. And maybe, and probably most likely, actually, no, I won't say most likely, because I think the truth is the UFC has been checked out for years. For the minute they signed the ESPN deal, they checked out. They don't give a shit anymore, and that's totally fine. Works for them from a business standpoint. There is an argument that they just looked at the numbers and were like, this isn't going to do that well. People don't care enough about Volk. Islam's not Habib. We're not going to sell 2 million pay-per-views. We'll just give this the normal push, and that's fine. That's entirely possible, even if I don't think it's probable. And so that's why we're here, for a fight week that should be the biggest of the year and instead just feels like a lightweight title belt. Yeah, sell at the arena. Let's get that big gate. Promote it there. That's the big thing. Because, and and it's the problem. Like, and I've talked about this a lot. There's no casual appeal to this fight at all. Like for us, we're all watching it. We are all fired up. But if I go down the street to the grocery store and I say, "Hey, Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler are coaching tough," they'd be like, "Whoa, Conor McGregor's coaching the Ultimate Fighter. That's awesome. I've watched the Ultimate Fighter 15 years." But I said, "Oh yeah," and on Saturday, Alexander Volkanovsky is fighting Islam Makachev in a pound for pound best fight. They'd be like, who the hell are those two guys? Like, that's just where we're at right now. But in Perth, everybody knows. They sold tickets. We all know. We ain't going anywhere. So there is really no need to put the promotional push behind this because they know they got us. There's no casual appeal to this. But the fighters themselves deserved a little bit more. For sure. No doubt about that. Um, this uh, fight legitimately, is, and I would say legitimate. somebody brought this up in the comments. I can't remember who, and it's already gone by. But like maybe not this week because it is fight week, so obviously a lot. I legitimately feel like over the past month I've heard more about John Jones, Cyril Gaon than about this upcoming fight. Like mm-hmm. I don't – like that's yep. – and uh, I'm not saying don't promote John Jones, Cyril Gaon. Do that. That's good promotion. Good work. But like – it's, this is getting short shrift. And I, I feels undeniable that it is. No, no, I agree. There's, but there's at least casual appeal to that fight. People know who John Jones is for, for, for good or for bad. They all mm-hmm. know who this guy is. So uh, they got to get this dude over and potentially get Cyril gone over with the same, at the same token. So uh, this fight is fascinating to me, gentlemen. And the closer we get to it, the more excited I am for it. But Jed, I, I want to go to you because we talked about Michael Chandler last round and correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like a good comparison. This fight, at least the way I think you're feeling about this, this is the Michael Chandler of fights for you. And what I mean by that is you weren't really into it. Then for a, for a short period, you really got into it. And then you just kind of got out of it again. You found more negatives than positives, not just because, not because you don't think these two fighters are great. You just feel like, I don't know. On paper, it's cool, but I'm fat. You're fascinated in some way, but maybe you'd feel more fascinated if this was 2024, 2025 than 2023. So I am curious as we get closer to this fight, how are you feeling about it? Are are you jacked up? Are you into it? Do you see problems with it? Like, where are we at with this? I'm definitely not jacked up. Um, it's a weird one for me, man. Uh, initially, I wasn't in. I, I was not into it initially because I mostly just hate champ champ fights. I think they're dumb um, in a lot of ways. Like I, I understand the appeal, uh, but it, it's not something that speaks to me in the same way it does to other people. Um, because I, you're just a champ of your division. It'd be cool if you just fought those dudes until 
I knew for a fact that you'd beaten all of them or better than them. And neither of these men have done that. Um, like very, very clearly, neither of these men have cleaned out their divisions. Um, unless you count beating Max three times, cleaning out the division, which it's not. But if you do, then Volk has done more. Um, but it's just like I, I, this is a fight that I want to be excited about because on paper, if you strip everything else, it's a really exciting fight. It's a really compelling matchup. It, there are a lot of levers here that are interesting to tug on. But I don't think it's necessary. I don't think I, – I think that it's it's holding up. May, holding up I know is a thick term or whatever, but it it is blocking two divisions from progress that I would frankly prefer to see than, uh, than doing this. And it's just – and at first, I really didn't like it because I thought it was pretty clear what was going to happen. I was like, I'm pretty sure Zamakchev's going to beat the hell out of Alexander Volkanovsky because weight classes matter. Um, and that's that's the that's the end of analysis there. As it's gotten closer, um, and I've watched a bunch of tape, I can definitely see a world where Alexander Volkanovsky wins this fight, and then that becomes that becomes compelling for that moment of oh, he might actually just be the best fighter that has ever lived. Uh, pound for pound, may just be the best fighter if he wins this fight. And that would be great. But then I immediately think to what comes next and what comes next is going to suck. And so it has just really drug me out of interest in this fight. And I am yucking people's yum. And I'm so sorry. I know I'm sure people hate this. But if he wins, if Volkanovsky wins, it is going to be a, a, a transcendent triumph, an unbelievable accomplishment in this sport. And it will be the last cool thing he does because he will win this fight and he's never going back to featherweight because why in God's name would you? And at that point, fighting more lightweight fights probably isn't good for you because he is 34 or 35. I don't remember exactly. He is on the older side, even though he's a little younger to the sport. And playing that game at lightweight is incredibly difficult of just it's the best division in the world. I may be the best fighter in the world, but enough dice rolls, I'm going to take a loss, and then that's bad for me historically. So he is going to fight Conor McGregor if Conor McGregor can somehow beat Michael Chandler. And if he can't, and I would tell him to do this, he will then just be like, I can make 170. Let me try and win three belts. And then we're doing this shit, and it's not – what I want out of combat sports and he's going to retire very soon after because what does he gain by fighting Benil Dariush? Friggin' nothing, man. He should never fight Benil Dariush if he beats Volk or if he beats Makachev. And so to me, the best case scenario is the Makachev wins. And if he does, then this is a cool fight and it's a solidish win. But like, I would have rather seen him beat lightweights because if Makachev wins, the story is entirely well, yeah, he beat the featherweight dude. Of course he did. He's very, very small. So, like, that's how it goes. So, I, it is just not a fight that ever appeals to me on a number of different reasons. And I am mostly just want it to be over so I can see where we go from here because I am more interested in, in those paths than this one. James, your reaction to that? Oh, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, look, you you have a you talk about Volkanovski still has work to do in the weight class. There's maybe two fights for him that we would like to see: the winner of the Ayer Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fight, and Arnold Allen. He's beat Holloway. Holloway, we know, is levels above most of the other fighters in that division. We saw his win over Calvin Cater. We saw the win over Yair Rodriguez. It was a clearer win for him. I think Volkanovski deserves this. He's a champion that I think is very disrespected. We talked about the narrative of when he fought Holloway and that he's not the champion. That Max Holloway's young crown champ. He went out there and said you know what 
I'm not only going to beat Holloway, I'm going to beat him dominantly. And he did that in July. And I think that is enough for him to get an opportunity like this. I'm also not a fan of champ versus champ fights. Like people are talking about Jamal Hill and Alex Pereira fighting each other when they just won the title, both of them respectively. What are we doing here? To, for someone like Volkanovsky, though, who has never lost in the UFC, he's had multiple title defenses. I don't have an issue with him moving up. And here's the other thing you got to remember as well, is that if this was the fight that people, some people feel like it should have been, which was Darius and Mahashev, no way it's as big as this fight because Darius is just another lightweight fighter who, you know, let's be honest, has not been that active, is not that popular. I have a lot of respect for Benil Darius as a fighter, but when Islam's fighting another champion, it adds so much more. This is a new champion in the division. Does it? Because they haven't promoted it like it has, James. We're getting the we same got power shit as it was many from him. We got Power Slap League to talk about. That's why we got, uh, you know, we, we got we got the new sport. Dana says is going to be a mainstay. That's why. But what I'm kind of getting at here is that there is that intrigue factor with the fact that Volkanovski outside of the Brian Ortega fight, which was the closest we've seen to him getting finished, he really, and maybe the close decision with Holloway in the second fight, outside of that, he's been pretty dominant. He's got some really good quality wins here. There is that intrigue of not only him being a smaller fighter for one, uh, 155, how is uh, Mahashev going to deal with that? But the fact that he doesn't take a lot of damage, there is that intrigue factor of could Volk do this? Could he do what you were saying and just you know get this amazing opportunity? And then on the flip side, Mahashev has the opportunity to build off that very dominant win he had over Charles Oliveira and take out another champion. And yes, there's going to be moronic fans who say, oh, Volkanovski's smaller. I don't know. I think a win over Volkanovski is very quality considering what Volkanovski has done in his division. He's done everything he needs to do. Like I said, there's maybe two other contenders he could fight, but for the most part, he's cleaned up the division. And I just think when you have a fight like this, there, there is that intrigue. I'm, I think Islam wins. Um, I don't know a path to victory for Volkanovski here. However, I, there's still anything can happen in a fight. We've seen crazy things happen sometimes. And the fact that this is in Australia, this is Volk's backyard. I just think that this is one of those really intriguing matchups where maybe something crazy happens. Maybe it doesn't, but the, the, the intrigue there is enough for me to say, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch this and I'm excited for it. So to me, I don't have an issue with the fight. I'm, I'm very thrilled by it. And last thing I'll say, you say about the division being held up. That's why they're doing the interim final, uh, title fight with Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. The winner of Max Holloway and Arnold Allen will probably fight them if Volk Camp come back down. So they are moving the division forward. They, that's why they put that fight on this card. So I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm all about this. I, I think this fight's great. And uh, for, for now, because there isn't that big name that Islam can fight right now. So why not fight a champion from a different division? I like it. I, I like the back and forth there, Jed, your face. You feel like, I, I feel like you have more you want to say. I can say? feel it through the screen, Jed. I can feel the, 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 here, the, the, uh, the disagreement. Here, here's why. Cause I don't give a shit if Islam fights a big name. I want him to fight people who deserve to fight for the belt. And Benil Darius deserves to fight for the belt. Cleaning out your Arnold division for the Arnold Allen deserves isn't, isn't to, fight to fight for the, the belt. belt. He didn't clean for, he didn't clean out shit. Tell me right now, how many ranked wins over featherweights does Volkanovsky have? I want to be real clear. I am not saying he's not the best featherweight or that he wouldn't beat all these dudes. He has actually beaten Max three times, beaten Ortega, and I, Chan Sung Jung is ranked. I don't. I think we can all be honest about what that fight means and meant. He hasn't beat Josh Emmett or Yair Rodriguez or Arnold Allen. Those are dudes who would have been viable, legitimate title challengers for him. And this fight, Mike, when you said earlier, like, I thought you got really into it. I was like, I did. You know, the moment I got into it was when Habib sold it after Mach won the belt. And then all of that energy just dissipated. And now I'm left back where I was of... It's a great fight on paper. You can't take anything away X's and O's wise, but his fight would be way better in two years. 
if Volk spent this year beating those three dudes, which I would pick him to do, and Makachev beat Benil Dariush and Rafael Faziv or Justin Gaethje or whoever it ends up being another one. And then we get this in 2024, and it's like, yeah, these dudes don't have anybody else to fight. They're clearly the two best guys in the world. Go. And now it's just here, and it's like, ah, cool. Well, I hope things work out well. I hope that this is a good event and that good things happen and we can just move on from it because I hate champ champ fights is really what this is. I just hate them. <laughs> well, and I think to be honest, I just think you underrate that win he had over Max Holloway. Like if he went and fought a decision to, like he did against Holloway in the first fight, I'm with you there. Okay. Maybe there's more work to do, but he dominated Max in that fight and yeah. Max is levels above everyone else in that weight class. We'll find out with Arnold Allen. Again, there's still some question marks with Allen in terms of how good he is in that division. But to me, you beat the guy that's like right behind you in a dominant fashion, that's enough for me to see him move up. That's why I don't have an issue. If he beat see, Korean Zombie and we're talking about him fighting. Oh, it is though, dude. Come on. The title defenses. And you talk about who he's fighting. That's not his fault. He's got to fight who he's given. You could nitpick all types of wins. I could talk about I how. I understand. You're I'm not nitpicking know, his wins. I'm just saying he is literally You're only saying there's the more work dudes. to do. There's two opponents he hasn't fought. There's, there the win, there's three, I guess. There's objectively more work to do. <laughs> three fights that's it that's not a lot man you're acting like the entire division has not fought him yet again holloway to me is such a good win no three fights is not that much it really isn't that's a year and year and a half basically you could fight all those guys yes he could and he could do that but like look at the ufc champions how many of them have wins over five dudes in their weight class or whatever and like that's what we're talking about the difference between having two top 10-ish wins versus five or whatever like it's but that that, what that I'm is a lot that last again, win was so he, good that the, the yeah, last he one beat was the shit out important. of max holloway it was right. maybe it, maybe legitimately maybe the actual best performance that has ever been put forth in the octagon i am not so we taking should fight away josh from Emmett that going from that to fighting josh like i like josh a lot i like yes. your, 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 that's what yeah, being I, a champion in a weight class is it's it's so just do you, do you think josh Emmett, do, you, do you think josh Emmett beat calvin cater no, I don't. I also don't think he should fight Josh Emmett. I think he should have fought Arnold Allen, but I would have been fine with Josh Emmett because officially okay. he won or whatever. Is Dan Hooker still at featherweight? Uh, Dan Hooker has a broken hand. I have no idea what he's doing. No, no, he's up was at he, lightweight Was now. he supposed to? My point is, is Arnold Allen has one good win at featherweight, and that's against Dan Hooker, who's not even in the that's division. Cool. Arnold needs George, to When George you want Pierre to beat shot? the shit out of somebody, you know what he didn't do? He then just fought the next dude because that's what being a long reigning champion is. You just fight. And he had the a number of title tie. defenses, just like Volkanovski did. Volkanovski had a number of title. I could see if he won the belt and fought, defended it once, and then he's going up and moving. That's not what's happened here. He's defeated Max Holloway three times, man. Come on. You've got to give some credit for that. That that's going to count for something. I'm giving him full credit for that. I'm not but saying it's a travesty like it's a that deal. he is getting this. I don't I hold those wins less highly than others, not because they are bad, but because I thought he won all three. I didn't think we needed the third fight because I thought he beat Max in the second one. We're and in the same camp there. There it, we go. We agree so on it is it is the difference between cleaning out a division and showing that you are levels above the next best guy because styles make fights. We talk about it all the time. And I would pick Volk to beat every featherweight on the earth. I am not saying that I would not, but there's a, 
we make you fight the fights for a reason because I would have picked me. I've picked many things all the way wrong all the time, but it is a difference between, all right, you're fighting Max a fourth and a fifth time versus, okay, this time you're going to fight Yair Rodriguez and take his best shot. And now you're going to fight Ronald Allen and take his best shot and see if they bring something different, a new look, a new opportunity. That's cleaning out a division. Undeniably Volkanovsky has not cleaned out his division. He has great wins. He has good title defenses undeniably he hasn't cleaned out the division and I just never want these fights to happen unless they have cleaned out the division. That's my whole point. All right. I well, just think Volkanovsky beats all those guys. That's all I'm saying. Like, I think he beats Amity. He beats Rodriguez. He beats. Well, so then why, why are we doing this then? Like, because I, I want to see it happen. I, okay. I think, well, I think Makachev's beating Volkanovsky. They should fight. Well. We shouldn't just give Makachev the win. We should see if we're right. I know, but that's the intrigue for me. It's like, can can he do it? I mean, this is a guy that, again, I don't think people expected him to dominate Holloway that he did in that last fight. So to me, that's where he's got it into another I gear. Shit out of Max, and he did. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, again, like that. That's that's the, there's that little bit of intrigue for me. That's why I don't mind seeing this fight compared to seeing Benil Darius. And I think Darius should get the shot. I think Darius should get the winner of this fight. And that's probably something we disagree oh, on too. But that's fine. I'm cool. No, that. he should. He's just never going to get the winner of this fight. They're going to make him fight the backup Charles. too. And poor guy. Like again, he should. Yeah, he should make wait. him fight Charles. And if he beats I know, Charles, I know. Then he, they, he probably is. Yes, well, exactly. Unless, unless we can agree wins. at the end here. I'm very Canadian. <laughs> at the end here, we're going to agree after disagreeing. So there we go. Well. I mean, well, we'll see if you guys agree on this last point that I want to bring up because this is another thing that was brought up today and it's being brought up a lot. The stakes of this fight from a legacy perspective. And it was brought up earlier and and I tend to agree with what was said. James, the stakes are very high for both guys, uh, but it seems the legacy stakes, it's clear as day. They are much higher for Volkanovsky than Makachev. Makachev is the big favorite. Most people feel like he is supposed to win this fight because he's the lightweight and Volk is the featherweight. It's the first title defense, long win streak in in the Cadillac division. A win would be big for him to kind of keep his momentum moving forward, but a Volkanovsky win would be absolutely massive for him. There would be so many conversations that we're going to have to have with Legacy if Volkanovsky pulls this off much more than we will for Islam Makachev, at least right now. So if Volk, if Volk wins this fight, James right now, is he the goat? Is he the greatest fighter ever? And if not, where do you put him? Yes, he would be in my opinion. He, he maybe not like where George St. Pierre is or any of these other guys, but like he'd have to be in that conversation just because of the fact that despite what Jed thinks, I think he has done enough to sort of clean out that division at 145. So if he goes up there and beats a guy who looks unstoppable right now, just absolutely dominated the former champion of Charles Oliveira, that has to put him in the conversation. Now on the flip side, because I've heard a lot of fans say this too, if Mahashev defeats Volkanovsky, I would not put him at the top of the list because I need to see more and I have the same issue with Henry Cejudo same thing Henry Cejudo sort of went in got a couple big wins and then bolted and people want to call him one of the greatest ever I'm not in that category yet and I would do the same with Islam I think Islam needs more longevity I'm agreeing with Jed here where you need more title defenses and things of that nature to be put in that conversation despite how dominant he's been so for me Volk yes we can have that conversation Islam no yeah Islam is just kind of taking a next it'd be a great win though amazing win for Islam if he gets it'd be a very good win uh I don't think it'll age great because Jed, you mentioned it. 
he beats the featherweight. Oh, well, we knew this was going to happen anyways. And if he loses, oh, Makachev was overrated the whole time. If you fought anybody that's yeah. actually ranked on the way up, blah, blah, blah. James, come on. This is what the space does. They find awfulness. I know, but that's, that's not the majority. Thing. I don't I don't think I don't the majority think of people would say that if he beat Volk. Honestly, I think that's a oh, small I, sector of I fans. Think that's, no matter. They're definitely going to say it. Oh, I think that is definitely No, I know the they're going to say it. I, don't I just agree. don't think that's the majority of fans who feel that way. I don't agree the other side of it that people would – I mean there will definitely be some people who are like Makachev's a bum or whatever. Uh, I definitely think that – because if, like let's be honest. If Makachev wins this fight, it is going to be because – like maybe not because he is bigger, but it is going to look very much like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's a different weight class and that is why he is winning this fight. He's not going to win like a back and forth – striking battle he's gonna tackle volk and tap his ass and so it's gonna be like yeah well okay we learned we learned a thing we should have known already so i think that that will be part of the narrative if if makachev wins here certainly as time goes on definitely but if volk wins jed where's that go conversation is he he's got he's got to fight josh emmett so you know we we, we, he's not the (laughs) goat yet well, no, he, he will never he will never be the featherweight goat um, unless he actually goes back to featherweight and keep putting in that work. He will be in the conversation. He won't be my choice for it. I, I've been pretty firmly in the George St. Pierre is is that. There we go. Look, we'll, you're warming we'll up have, to me. You're going with a Canadian guy. I like it. Well, he's just I think George St. Pierre just pretty obviously should be considered the goat. Um, mm-hmm. Based on the, his career. Now, if he wins this fight, I like I said, he he will get himself into that conversation. I think he would have a pretty strong case to being the best fighter ever, um, just as a what he accomplished and and what he is able to do in the cage, the, how his skills blend together. As far as achievements, he, he's pretty clearly behind other other champions in the UFC and MMA. But the best fighter of all time. Depending on how this looks, certainly too, he he would have a real case for that more so than I would have for greatest of all time. Uh, but if he wins it, he's he starts to get in that conversation, and then it becomes what happens next. Because if he wins it and then does fight Connor and then doesn't retires or whatever, I think that that probably precludes him from it. It's just too short. It's not long enough. There's not enough wins stacked up. But if he does win it and is like, screw it, I'll fight Benil Darius, should just beat Makachev, could probably beat this dude, um, then full credit to him for for doing that. And if he does, then he can really start to make a case to assault the title of greatest fighter we've ever seen. So he's he wouldn't be the GOAT, but he would he he'd be potentially the B foat, best fighter of all time, but not the yes. greatest of all time. The B foat. I mean okay. Honestly, I'm willing to start having that conversation with him based on the third Max fight because it actually may be the best performance that has ever been put forth in the octagon when you consider level of competition and and just how damn good he looked. But if he does the same thing against Makachev, then he really has a great argument for that. Well, more on this fight from a technical breakdown perspective on the previous show tomorrow, but let us move on. Because there are more fights on this card, uh, I think, besides the title fight and eh. the second title fight. So, okay. uh, I'm very happy this round's going to be fun. The point for round three goes to James Lynch. I love the the sauciness. 
Jed did a good job as well. Good round. Good round. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, let's just get let's just get right into it for time's sake. Uh, Jed, we'll begin with you. We have the title fight we just talked about. We have Josh Emmett versus Yaya Rodriguez for the interim featherweight title. We have JDM versus Randy Brown. We got Pacaporta on the main Paca. card, which is always fun. <laughs> um what are we grading this card? Like, take the main event out of it. What, what are we grading this thing? Dude, if you take the main event out of it, this is if, – if, if you remove the main event, this is what, like, a fight night card should be. Like, this should be, like, the UFC on ABC or whatever fight night card of a main event that's relevant and solid, um, if still sort of underwhelming, and then some uh, – they're in Australia, so let's have some Australian people fight other people. It's not good, man. It is – this is not good. Um, and some of the fights can be fun, you know. Jimmy Crude, Alonzo Minifield were going to get a finish, so uh, yay. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown, that fight is really, really good. Not here to talk shit about that fight. That fight rules. Everything else is mid. It's pretty mid. Um and that's sort of we say this literally every week now, Mike. I don't. Maybe we're just getting old, Mike. Maybe that's it. I am now the old man yelling at the clouds of like, back in my day, fight cards had people you cared about. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't care less about almost anything going on in the prelims here. Um, and so this is a five fight main card. And if we're taking the main event out of it, it's um, it's a way to spend your Saturday. James, where are we at with this? Take the main event yeah. out of it. Rest Again, uh, I agree with Jed here. I think it's a very average card, like outside of the main and, and co-main event, a uh, couple of, but we got, we got to also remember, we haven't talked about this. I mean, we had Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa on this card. We had Kai Kara France oh, and Alex Perez on this card. So these are, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that would have helped. I mean, you put that on the pay-per-view instead of uh, nothing against these guys, Justin Taffa and Parker Porter, then, you know, we're, we're talking about a very strong pay-per-view anytime. I mean, Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa is an amazing fight. Um, so I, I mean, that, that has hurt them a bit as well, but this is the problem and I know you guys talk about this all the time, like they do too many events. So you can't beef up these cards because, Hey, we need this one for the, you know, whatever, February 18th card or another card, right? Like they have to spread it out as opposed to beefing up these cards. So this is what you're going to get. And, you know, fingers crossed, everything's good for main and co-main, but I mean, this is what could happen. And I think we will see this happen this year where we'll have a big fight. And, you know, again, we have to, uh, you know, move some things around. So I, I think that also hurts it, but yeah, fun is a great way to describe it. And I completely agree about Randy Brown and Jack Del Madalena. That fight is a lot closer than people are, are tabbing it. I'm very excited for that one. It's a good test for both fighters. 
All right, back to you, James. Last question about this card. Mm-hmm. If we took out the big three fights, we take mm-hmm. out the, the three cool fights here. If mm-hmm. you had to tell a casual person on the street right now, hey, you can only watch one of these fights, and I'll give you like a, a code where you can just click and watch for free, which fight mm-hmm. are you telling them to watch outside of the top three? Ooh, uh, great question. Uh, is, 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 uh, well, I guess is Rand- no, Randy Brown, Della Maddalena would count that. You know what? I'll go with uh, one that I think is just like kind of an intriguing matchup on paper. And that is this Tyson Pedro and Modestus Bukakis fight, just because Modestus, Mike, again, you've interviewed him a handful of times, you know, gets booted out of the UFC, brutal injury, brutal fight against Khalil Roundtree's went to cage warriors, won the title. He's coming back. Tyson Pedro, again, a bit of an up and down career, just stylistically, that's going to be a fun fight, but also just like the, the backstory of two guys that have really, uh, you know, had a bit of a resurgence. And to me, that's always a fun uh, equation put together here. So that's, that to me is, is, is the people's fight on UFC 284. It's a good pick. Uh, there will be a feature coming out on Modestus Bokoskis and his return. Crazy ass story. Uh, that'll be coming in the next couple of days. But Jed, what is yours? You can only watch not, one. What are we giving them? That's not a terrible choice. It's it's not the right one, though. I'm sorry, James. Uh, the correct one, look, if if in doubt, all the listeners, all the viewers, if you're ever you know in this predicament, you don't know what to do, you can just go to the fight card and be like, all right, who's fighting at lightweight? That's probably a good bet. Or bantamweight, also probably a good bet. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lightweight fight on this prelims that's going to be dope. Jamie Malarkey taking on Francisco Prado. Prado's an 11-0 and undefeated guy. Looks good. Looks good getting off the bus, Mike. Man, looks good getting off the bus. Uh, has been really running roughshod over, let's be real, bad competition uh, for the most part. Um, and he's getting a huge step up in Jamie Malarkey. And on the other side, Malarkey's never been like the best fighter he's been a super fun fighter a couple of fight of the nights on under his belt in the ufc uh down to scrap and he's gonna get a scrap with it like i i think that one is really guaranteed to be very very fun for however long it lasts i like it i like those picks uh the correct answer is justin top versus paca porta uh, no <laughs> doubt about it. And we're going to see Paco Porter just put on a pace and it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. So you want to see uh, a heavyweight who cuts down, <laughs> go for 15 minutes of hard fighting. Paco Porter's your guy. That's right. So there you go. There's UFC 284. We'll talk more about the card tomorrow. The point for round four goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. Well done. And it is two to two. Always go on lightweights. Always. Yes. So that means it's time for the knockout round. One question will decide it all. Each participant will have one minute on the clock. They will give their response and then we'll turn it over to the peeps and the peeps will vote. Uh, there will be a poll. Just vote on the poll. I'll waste a few moments promoting stuff. And then as the votes tabulate, we will bring in Mr. 3024, E. Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. So, Jed, what are we doing here? Prerogative is yours. What are we doing? You know, uh, I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm going to pass the prerogative. I'm going to defer to James Lynch. Let him choose whether he'd like to go first or second. All right. So I just thought of this question like 25 seconds ago, James. So bear with me. Uh, As you may have seen, Hamza Chemaev called out Robert Whitaker. is one of the more respectful Hamza Chemaev calls that we'll probably ever see for the rest of his career. Whitaker reciprocated and said, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that's a cool fight. That's one that we've been talking about for a while. 
The other one that people want to see is Hamza Chimaev back down at 170 against Colby Covington to see what we could do there at 170. Dana White's talked about giving him one more shot at 170. So let's just say that Hamza Chimaev could make either of these weight classes without any problem whatsoever. Let's just take the Nate Diaz thing out of the equation. If you are the UFC matchmaker right now for Hamza Chimaev, which fight are you booking and why? Is it Shamaya versus Whitaker at 185 or Shamaya versus Colby Covington at 170? We'll put one minute on the clock. Your time starts now. 100% it's the Whitaker fight because to me, there's that intriguing style matchup. If it does end up going his way, if he beats Whitaker, he's getting a title shot. If he gets a title shot and let's say Pereira defeats Adesanya, you've got Alex Pereira and Hamzat Chimaev. What an interesting fight that would be from a stylistic perspective. You've got a guy in Chimaev who takes guys down. He grinds them out. He's got good standup. He's got a good ground game. Can you imagine a fight like that? That to me is very interesting. I like Colby Covington and Hamzat Chimaev. I just think Hamzat wins that. Colby, where is he right now? We haven't seen him since the Moscow situation so I don't even know if he's going to ever come back and fight again um, I think Hamza Chimaev wins that fight just based off activity just based off the style matchup to me the Whitaker challenge is very interesting Chimaev looked a little bit human against Gilbert Burns he's fighting a guy in Whitaker who's tough to take out he's tough to finish Whitaker is I think uh, right up there as far as the, the top of the division how would that fight go I don't know but if he beats Whitaker how cool would that be for the middleweight division it gives it some much needed fresh air uh, with some new contenders there so I think Chimaev and Whitaker is the way to go all right. I mean, as we say in the radio industry, James pretty much hit the post there. And that was that was very well done. Uh, so, Jed, you got to hear James's response. You were giving him the golf clap like he just made a birdie putt at no, the it's Waste just, Management it's Open. It's nice. It's nice to have a professional on the other side who doesn't run 90 <laughs> seconds to four minutes long. It's nice. <laughs> like somebody Love you, BC. Yes. Yes. So same question for you, Jed. Let's just say all these factors are in play. We're not worried about things that happened a year ago in Miami Beach. Weight classes be damned. Shamayev can make either one. You're the guy matching this dude up right now. What is next for Hamzat Shamayev? Is it Robert Whitaker at 185 or is it Colby Covington at 170? Everybody's on board for anything. What are we doing? Your time starts now. It's Colby Covington at 170. Look, I understand the appeal of the Whitaker fight. I won't even pretend like I wouldn't be very excited to watch the Whitaker fight. But the Whitaker fight lacks two very important things that the Covington fight does. First, if he goes up and he beats, if, if Hamza goes up and beats Whitaker, he ain't never coming to 170 again. Why would he? He is going to fight for the belt there. He's going to beat either of the dudes who has the belt. That's how it's going to go. So we then will forever lose the welterweight Hamza, which has been such a dominant, compelling force. But second, and frankly, much more important, and I, I don't think James gave this enough credit when he was doing the internal calculation. It's never wrong to vote to watch Colby Covington get his ass beat. It is always the right decision to choose for Colby Covington to catch an L because that's exactly what would happen. Hamzat is the best welterweight in the planet. He would beat the shit out of Colby Covington. It would make my heart sing, and then he can finally, finally fight for the welterweight title. Multiple post hits. This is great. Now we just needed to get one more person in there. We could play a good old fashioned game of three bar, right? James Lynch, a little <laughs> three right. bar. Yeah, hit the three post, bar. hit the crossbar. Yeah, a little yeah. three bar, you know, mm -hmm. Gordon Bombay style. So you heard the arguments. Now it is time to cast your votes. Is it for 
James Lynch, or is it for Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Mishu? A lot going on. Jose Youngs is in Perth, Western Australia right now, just getting tons of great stuff for MMA fighting. He had a interview with Robert Whitaker, which you can check out right now. We have a pros prediction compilation that you can check out on YouTube as well. We will have the weigh-ins. We'll have ceremonial weigh-ins, all sorts of stuff. Preview show tomorrow. We'll have a heck of a morning tomorrow as well. And then, of course, look, there are many ways you can watch fights. So why not watch the fights with MMAfighting.com? I will be in New York once again with my man GC. And we'll have our watch party starting at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll have some fun. We'll have some special guests along the way. Maybe there's, there's another special guest we're working on right now. If you watch the MMA Hour yesterday you might know where i'm heading with this no guarantees yet but we're working on it so get excited that's going to be a lot of fun and speaking of being old by the time volkanovsky and islam makachev make the walk it'll be my 40th birthday so if you want to if you want to give me a 40th birthday present watch the gosh darn watch party with us and uh that'll be a wonderful gift and it costs you nothing so that's just the best way to do it uh also be on a good price yes a very good price very good price. Uh, AK and I will be back Sunday morning after everything wraps up. On to the next one. Matchmaking will be live on YouTube for that. Hopefully I have a voice for it. And then uh, you can enjoy the Super Bowl or whatever else. And then next week should be uh, a slower week. I got a pretty fascinating feature that I'm working on that should drop, I think, Tuesday is what we're planning on with the podcast. All sorts of craziness. Uh, this is a wild story. It's very fascinating. And... I don't even know what else to say. It was an emotional roller coaster ride, so stay tuned for that. So I think I've wasted enough time. Uh, Casey, where are we at, my friend? Ooh, I want, is it close? You want to let it go for a minute? Extremely close. Talk, talk, talk amongst yourselves. Give me about thirty more seconds. I got to get a couple okay. more votes in. It is so close right now. I I know how to kill time because I'm genuinely interested. I assume. Going off the final question, if Hamzat fought Colby, we would all pick Hamzat. I know I certainly would, but do you? Or are you both in on that with me? Yeah, okay. I would pick. I, I would pick Hamzat too. Although I do, think I don't think Colby, he gets destroyed. Like I, I like. I think Hamzat wins. I just don't. I think it's going to be similar to the Gilbert Burns fight. I, I look. I get people not liking Colby. He's a. He's a. To use our host's name here, he's a heck of a fighter. You know, he went. He had two close fights with Usman. I think. Uh, I gotta get the dad joke in, Jed. I got two kids, uh, so yeah, one. that's that's uh, that, that, that's kind of my thoughts on it. But the thing is, Colby just does not fight enough for my liking, and I think that's a big uh, issue in him fighting Hamzat as well. Well, the so then that's the real question for me because I think we're all there. How would you pick Hamzat versus Bobby Knuckles? Because that's I think I take Bobby. Knuckles. Well, he's not finishing him. I don't think he's finishing him. And is it gonna? I mean, it would ha- it should be five rounds. I would hope that's amazing. I, I'm I think, assuming well, I think all of these fights. fights are five rounds. Yeah, I think yeah. both fights should be five rounds. If it's yeah, five, because even with Colby, like Shamayev could take him down and just absolutely smash him out and finish him in the first six minutes of the fight. Like it's yeah. very possible. But if he mm-hmm. can't, and Colby gets those extra three rounds, that makes that fight really interesting. As, and I don't know if the Shamayev gas tank will be. Like, Especially 170. An issue that cut, right? So well, it'll, yeah. it'll be 176, Hamza. No. 79? I believe 179. 179, yeah. Do it at 176. That's the thing. I think Whitaker beats the hell out of him, though. And you know me, Mike. About as big a Hamza Shamayev backer. But I kind of think Whitaker just tunes him up. Which That'd be a compelling frankly fight. plays into why I was less interested in that fight. Yes. Casey, right, have right, we right. have we generated enough votes? Are we ready? We have, and it stayed just as close, but there has to be a winner. So <laughs> there has to be a winner. All right. 
Oh boy, oh boy. Get your votes in, guys and ladies. <laughs> oh my god. You <laughs> haven't closed it yet? No, we I uh, all right. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, Case. You gotta do it. Your winner today with fifty-one percent of the votes wow. is Height Heat. Our Canadian friend, James Lynch. Ooh, oh, nice. he gets it done. Shirt. There we go. James it's a Lynch. Too good. I, I got style points for that. That's that's what it came down to. It good. was the dad joke at the end. I think he, I think so. I think he did it. Oh, that also did it. put you over. Put you over mm-hmm. the edge. So, James, you are the victor. You get no money, but you get to promote or say whatever you want to say for the next 30 seconds uninterrupted. So the floor is yours. Perfect. I interviewed Cyril Gaon the other day. Go check out that interview. First uh, interview, I think, since the John Jones fight was announced. Really excited for that fight. UFC 285. I'm going to be there uh, next month uh, covering that card on the on the trenches. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, check me out. Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. It's back in business. Uh, yeah. we, we, fend, we fended off the hackers. It's all good. My YouTube channel's back too. YouTube.com slash Lynch on Sports. And check out the Gambler's Perspective. That's on UFC Fight Pass. I produced that show with Gianni the Greek and Nick Kalikas. If you guys are looking to make your bets this weekend, uh, that's on Fight Pass. Uh, we had Tony Durst, uh, Dunce, I should say, the poker player, giving his Super Bowl bets this week. So I know a lot of you are going to be watching the Super Bowl. Check out Tony's wow. plays for this weekend. Really excited about that. And more importantly, Mike, thanks for having me on, man. And Jed, it was a great uh, chat with you guys. I don't want to keep this too long because, uh, listen, we, we got precious airtime here. Jed, what, what would you like to say? Because to me, I feel like nobody lost. I feel like everybody won with this battle. And, and that includes you. We're all winners. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. I I will be watching them. I will be involved. Uh, and, you know, uh, shamelessly, without any journalistic integrity whatsoever, please, God, win Islam. Just please win, because I will have to hear about it forever if you don't. And we'll have to hear Alexander Volkanovsky forever talk about being disrespected and I just don't think my heart can take it, guys. So let's go Islam. I was I was trying to go the entire episode without bringing that up because that gets you get you all fired up. So it's, we'll leave we'll leave it at that. Casey, you can hit the music. All Jed I want to say on that note, Mike, on <laughs> MMAfighting.com's YouTube, there is a pros predict. I think Jose Young on site talked to twelve fighters at that event. Do you know how many of them are picking Volkanovsky? Friggin' nine of them. This man isn't being disrespected. Stop with the nonsense, people. Hit the music. We are done. Appreciate you for watching the show. If you're watching after the fact, thank you. If you're listening on the podcast hour, we appreciate that. We're done. For James Lynch, for Jed Mishu, big shout out for Casey on the ones and twos. We are done. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn perhaps will take you home, or maybe it's Casey doing an Esther voice. But either way, it's going to be great. Thank you very much. Back next week on Between the Links is Jed Mishu versus Luke Thomas live next Woo! Thursday. We'll see you then. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Happy birthday, Mike Heck. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that? You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. 
Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Businesses have always needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business. Efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights. Engage customers. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo. How business goes to market.